I want to deliver a message to you today entitled, Living in Perilous Times. And we are, aren't we? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And I know that preachers for centuries have been saying, we're in the last days. But, you know, I can really say that, that looking at everything that's going on in our world in relationship to the Word of God, we're closer to the last days than we've ever been. And there will be perilous times that will take place in the last days. Could you uh, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24? And uh, let's take a look at a, uh, a section of Scripture in verses 3 through 8. When you've made it to your destination, shout out, I love the Word. Love the word. All right. Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to start with verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, everybody say pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows. And granted, we've seen pestilences for as, time, as far as time can remember. I mean, every year there's another strain of the flu virus, right? Uh, but I don't know that I can remember in my lifetime, I don't think I can remember the hysteria that's going along with this one, um, the hoarding, the gathering of supplies, the emptying of stores. I mean, I, I've never seen in my lifetime, you know, Sports activities uh, shut down. I was so disappointed yesterday. I got on the TV. I wanted to watch the U.S. Open. I'm sorry, the, yeah, um, the Players' Championship golf tournament. And uh, I was watching it, and I'm thinking, so, it looks kind of familiar. What's going on here? And then there was a note going, uh, Players' Championship has been canceled, and as a courtesy to you, we're showing you last year's. I'm like, okay, well, great. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, canceled it. I mean, yeah, I get it. I understand it. But, I mean, I, I don't recall that in my lifetime or, or uh, NBA shutting down or the, the March Madness. Um, I'm not sure how history will pan out, like, you know, who won the 2020 Players' Championship. Well, well there wasn't one. I mean, this is, quite frankly, what's happening uh, is historical in so many fashions, and Matthew 24, verse 7, said it there, that there will be famines and pestilence. Everybody say pestilence. And I know this is not a word that we use in our everyday language. I'm, I'm feeling like i got a pestilence. It's like, well, pop that pimple and get on with things, you know. Like, you know. 
Well, the word pestilence is from the Greek word loimos, which means plague or disease. And that's what the word means. Now, in the current affairs of life, there is a global disease called coronavirus. Now, regardless of whether we can say, well, the, the media or this or that has caused a mass hysteria, it still does not deny the fact that there is a pestilence that is plaguing the globe right now. We know that that is absolutely true. Uh, and it's everywhere in the news. I mean, I just got a text just this morning while in church from Miss Betty that said to pray for her grandson and... Gr I can't remember. Anyway, two of her two grandsons because they had been exposed to coronavirus and are now quarantined. So that's hitting pretty close to home. So it's, it's real. And the, people, the feelings that people have about it, it's real. Uh, is some of it gone in the ditch? Sure. Uh, I get it. I got a, I got a sister-in-law who early on went and bought just immense amounts of toilet paper, not because she intended to use it, but so that should everything come to a head, she could sell it for $5 a roll when it was all said and done. She's probably joking, but that's her joke, you know. Um, and dreadfully, it's caused many deaths. So, you know, let's not just, we're not here to make light of it because um, maybe the one thing we didn't pray for was all of those families who've lost loved ones due to this pestilence, to this disease, this plague. And the list goes on regarding what is now a pandemic uh, that's called COVID-19. Um, we can see how the world is responding, but we may be in the world, but we're not of the world. And that's going to be the thrust of my message to you today. And I mean, boy, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or Friday, probably Friday, certainly wasn't yesterday, but here at MOH, uh, Ministry of Helps uh, Seminar, on Friday, my phone was blowing up. I mean, I'm in contact with multiple pastors <clears throat> across the country, specifically within the state and even more specifically within our city. And when you have uh, the multiple uh, group texts that are going on, I mean, everybody's responding, the phone's just blowing up all day long, and it was just astounding to me, and I think I said this to Diane last night, that one of the things that was astounding to me is, although we've known about the coronavirus for many weeks, it's almost like it came home to roost in our face overnight, right, and seeing all this stuff happen. Churches are closing down. Uh, I, I'm, I believe that many are closing down out of a sense of wisdom and, and, and uh, watching what they're doing, and I have to expect that some are reacting from a, a place of fear. Um, and, you know, we prayed about that just a minute ago. Um, so we know how the world is responding, but how must we respond as believers in Jesus Christ individually? Take it another step. How must we respond as a church? And I know the governor has put a ban, a literal ban, on assemblies up to two, or over two, 250 up. A ban is not a suggestion. Uh, it's not, uh, uh, you know, we just hope you all do this. It's a ban. As a matter of fact, I, I read that, that there would be a dismiss, 
I always get this word wrong. Demeanor, is that the right word? Misdemeanor. Thank you. A misdemeanor, fine. A dismeanor. Yeah. No wonder I never felt right. I've been saying it for three days. Dismeanor. That ain't right. Uh, misdemeanor. <laughs> uh, a, a fine for anyone who did not comply. And the word complying is a word that now you, you hear, I'm hearing all the ministries say. And of course, I heard from Pastor Barclay as well. And, and um, I think it's important that, there, that we do comply. If we were a church of over two, of 250 plus, it would be our great responsibility to comply with our government in this situation. Um, why? We don't stand against them, and they're not doing it to hurt anybody. They're trying to, and I said this to Diana, everything seems to be, the pendulum seems to be swinging all the way one way, but I'm very proud of our country that we're doing everything that we can to stop this thing, right? And maybe some of it's radical, well, maybe all of it's radical, and maybe some of it's out there, but um, I think they have a better interests in mind. So I sent a letter out on Friday giving everyone a statement of our position as a church. Uh, a text was sent out, a mass text. However, that might have been difficult for anyone where we did not have your email address to associate that text that you got, because I've had a a call or two or so that's saying, well, I got the text, but I didn't get an email. That's probably because our, our system called Breeze didn't have your email in there. And so we're trying to make this as easy, as easy as we possibly can for everyone. That letter has been printed out. I think Corey said she mailed it, snail mailed it um, to everyone in Breeze. Is that right? And so everyone in Breeze is people who attend our church or have attended our church within the last six months or so, right? So a lot of people are, are receiving this letter. Many of you were able to get it uh, through email. It was also posted on our website. It was also posted on our Facebook page. And so we're doing everything that we can to cascade the information down to everyone. Uh, and so I'm taking one step more even here today because I'm not just ministering to all of you blessed people that are here right now, but to multitudes, in fact, who are streaming in one way or another. Um, here it is. You ready? Amen. Dear Resurrection Life Church family, we know there are many questions regarding the coronavirus. We want you to know that we take the situation affecting our nation very seriously. There are three words that we feel are important for us as a church, and those three words are faith, not fear, Wisdom, not ignorance, and precaution, not presumption. We've come up with a prayerful plan in response to the health crisis, and we hope this plan will help put your heart at rest in these challenging days. And here are some of the action steps we are taking. We, number one, we will obtain our information uh, and direction from the state and federal health departments. And in fact, we are making available to Anyone, I think it's upon request. Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's, yeah, I have that in my PowerPoint. Uh, we're making available upon request at the Information Center this six or seven page uh, article from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services 
in, re- in response to additional things that you can do to watch out for and take care of yourself and, and so forth and so on. And so this, will, this article is available to you. It goes above and beyond the things that I wrote in my letter. And this will be available to you at the Information Center upon request. All you got to do is go back there and say, I'd like that article Pastor Rick was speaking about, and we'll give this to you. So I believe that we're doing everything that we can as a church to assist you in this season and to, and to help you. I think that was number one, wasn't it? We will obtain our information and direction from the state and federal health departments. Number two, we will closely monitor the local schools in our area. And uh, I know they've closed until March 6th. It affects a lot of things. I can't even imagine the effect that it will probably have on parents who, you know, they, they work. And now what are we, we going to do? So we have a lot of things to really consider and pray for uh, in our area. Uh, number three, we will practice and encourage safe hygiene practices throughout our congregation. You'll notice... Um, um, hand wash in many different areas with a little sign saying, please feel free to use this. You'll notice some instructions in the bathrooms about hand washing. That's very important. Uh, Everything that I've heard about the coronavirus could almost be stopped by lots of hand washing as the number one point of attack. And so we're making that available to everyone. Um, And so use it. Number four, we will disinfect the classrooms after each service. And I kind of spoke about that a minute or so ago about disinfecting everything and how I want the uh, department leaders to support our Father's House ministry, say amen, in accomplishing this task. We will provide hand sanitizers throughout the facility, and they are available in various places throughout the facility. We will return sick children to their parents. Number seven, we will encourage the elderly and at-risk members of our church to use precautions when attending our services. Number eight, we will live stream Sunday services for those who choose to remain at home. And any of you who, be, who may be at home today, just as a, a caution, as, as, as a guard against this disease, listen, we don't, we're not... We're not judging you. We're not calling you fearful. We're not calling you hysterical. I'm just thrilled that you're connecting with us this morning right now in what's going on. Amen. Amen. One of my good friends and one of our friends here at the church, he did a video for his church. His church is over 250 people, and a few of the others are well over 250 people. Had to make some decisions. Pastor Barclay is over 250 people, and he kind of went down the road route that I had already kind of joked about a little bit. I, I think I said to Chuck and some others, you know, uh, if the governor drops it to 100 people, then we're going to multiple services. Yay! <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> it's my dream. I want to go to multiple services. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Pastor Barkley is uh, well over 250, so he's just having some multiple services at different levels in terms of the helps ministry. and and uh, others, but I watched this video from one of my friends, Pastor David Ferranti, uh, who, he said this really important thing, I think it was very powerful, he said, you know, come together as a family, in the living room, or in your jammas, all together in mom and dad's bed, and watch the TV, and have church right there, and experience the presence, and the anointing of the Lord right there in your house, and he followed it up with, you know, kind of, after all, isn't that where we're supposed to experience the presence, and the anointing of the Lord more, in our homes, so this isn't a dark time for the church. This is a dark time for our nation. 
but it's really a time for the church to shine. Amen. Amen. In whatever respect, whether we're having services or whether churches are not, we have a number of churches in our churches in our community have chosen to shut down, and I stand with them in that. And um, Amen. Number nine, we will post signs in the bathroom that will encourage thorough hand washing, and we did that. I'm going to continue with the letter. This represents where we stand as a church on March 13th, 2020. We will continue to monitor the situation and remain flexible as new information arrives. We will keep you posted through email, Facebook, and our church website. What's not added to that, but you can count on, is that we're aware of, the, of some people that don't use the internet or use Facebook or use that type of uh, media, and we're going to do our best to continue to cascade information down all avenues. Um, finally, we will be salt and light to the world. We will not give in to fear or hysteria. The Lord is our helper. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. This is our time to express to our communities the peace that passes all understanding. Can you say amen? amen? Well, there are three things specifically in the heart of this letter that I want to speak to you about this morning, and that is faith, wisdom, and precaution. Okay, I'll move pretty quickly through this. Faith, not fear. The Bible teaches us that we are to walk in faith and not by sight. If we walk by sight, we can get in the ditch of fear and hysteria, all right? We have to walk by faith. Kenneth Hagin, he used to say <coughs> in a definition that faith was walking out on a limb with a handsaw and turning around and starting to cut the limb that you're standing on. That's faith. Uh, and, and many might look at that as foolishness. They might look at that as presumptive, and I can understand that. In fact, there's another great book by Dr. Fred Price entitled Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. And I would encourage everyone to read that book because we can get in error within our faith when we're now acting out of foolishness or acting out of presumption and not faith. So I don't believe that we, can, uh, we can't be foolish. We, we got to be uh, faithful and use wisdom. We can't be presumptive. That being said, though, faith is not faith until it's faced with a risk, okay? Faith isn't tested in the calm water times. I think it was my brother that sent me a text the other day, and he said, uh, you know, the, a, a good sailor isn't tested in calm waters, something to that effect, tested in the storm. Faith comes into action when you and I step out on a limb. That's the moment. However, if you step out on a limb in foolishness and presumption, and you turn around and begin to cut that limb, you might just find yourself falling to the ground and in a whole heap of trouble. So how does this work? Faith says step out and take a risk. Okay? Uh, and foolishness says step, step out and take a risk on your own strength and on your own smarts. Just do it on your own knowledge and skill. Presumption says God's got me no matter what I do. And that's not necessarily always the case because the only thing with God that is not unconditional is his love for us, 
not the blessings and the promises. They almost all come with some conditional action on our part, right? So true faith always comes with a risk, without a shadow of a doubt. True faith never does anything on human strength, and it never does anything on human smarts. It's always reliant upon the power and upon the wisdom of God. True faith is completely reliant on the Word of God, and true faith never does anything outside of the Word of God. Okay, Our faith isn't in the government. I appreciate our government, and I'm a patriot to the core. But true faith isn't in what the government does. True faith isn't what the schools do. True faith even isn't in our president who said, let's have a national day of prayer. True faith's not there. True faith is right here in what thus saith the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? So what's the opposite of faith? Thank you. You all know that already. And you need to know as well that fear negates faith. Once fear sets in, faith takes flight. You can't have faith and fear in the same vessel. It doesn't work that way. Fear is against the Word of God, in fact. And in, and in fact, anything that's against the Word of God is fundamentally sin. Fear causes us to rely on self. I will do everything I can for self-preservation. Now, how many know there's a wisdom to self-preservation? But fear says, I don't care what the Word says, I'm just going to take care of myself. You know? And we're not called to fear. We're called to faith. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And number one on your paper is that fear always causes us to give in and settle for less than God's best. Fear always robs us of our peace and robs us of our joy. We can't respond in fear. There's a difference between, now let me say this, how many know that there's a good fear and a bad fear? Okay. Uh, the Lord will speak to us and bring something up in us that you better watch out for this. Well, that's a cautionary fear that can cause us to make a decision that is proper and right. Okay? That's part of the human nature. But there's another part of the enemy's nature upon humans that's a fear that causes us to react irrationally and do things that can get us in more trouble. Are you with me? Here few, here's just a few scriptures about fear. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Nor Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Now, let me pause right there for a minute. I think it was interesting that while we were worshiping, the Lord brought this verse to my mind. And I couldn't remember where it was at. So like I often do with my phone, I typed in scripture about, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it came up and I went, that's in my message. And then uh, Brother Ron sent a, a note up to me from Psalm 91 and uh, during worship, and I think Brother Tim brought it to me, and, and it was about Psalm 91, and I went, that's in my message. I mean, the Lord is just trying to bring us a message today, amen? So when you're facing a fearful situation, and how many know we are? I'm not going to stick our heads in the sand and be foolish and presumptuous. We're facing a fearful situation, but what are we supposed to do? I would like for the people of this church to begin to hear God saying to them, I am here, you'll be okay, I'm all you need. That's what we should be hearing. Isaiah 43 uh, says, do not fear, for I've redeemed you. 
Uh, and this was the one that came to me while we were worshiping. And then I looked, and I went, oh, that's in my message. And thank you, Lord, for confirming. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. That makes it very individual. I love that. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. One of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set blaze, set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise. So are we facing a potential fearful situation? Duh. Yes. But if we'll listen to the voice of the Lord, we don't have to respond in fearful hysteria. Amen? We all belong to an all-powerful, all-knowing, victorious Father who cares deeply about each one of us individually. <clears throat> Excuse me. The thing you and I need to be doing right now is focusing on Jesus. Oh, man, the anointing of the Lord was all over our worship this morning as we were calling out the name Jesus. Focus on the fact that he considers you and he considers me his prized possession. Think about that. Focus on that. Whatever you may be fearing, whether it's a health crisis, a family problem, financial struggle, focus on the power of God that called you by name and commands fear out of your heart. Amen? Amen. Number two, fear has no place in the mind and heart of a believer. So when fear comes and wants to take up residence in your heart, recognize that that is not the spirit of God. It's the spirit of the enemy, and you just take that thought captive that's exalting itself above the knowledge of God, and you bring it into subjection to the word of God that said, the Lord says, I am with you no matter what you're going through. Even if you're going through the fire, the blaze blaze won't touch you. Amen. I get excited about that. So number two, wisdom. That's the second word. And what is wisdom? The dictionary defines it simply as knowledge of what is true and what is right. That's a great definition. Wisdom is simply knowledge of what is true and what is right. The only thing that I know for sure is completely true and right is this. I'm going to put my faith in this not in this, okay? I'm, I'm going to have wisdom enough to read it and apply it to my life in whatever ways that I feel comfortable with, but it's not going to dictate my life. This will dictate my life. This is not going to dictate and consume my thinking. This is going to dictate and consume my thinking. This isn't going to dictate what comes out of my mouth, somebody. This is going to dictate what comes out of my mouth. I wish somebody would praise the Lord in the house of God. Amen? Solomon refers to wisdom maybe more than any other author in the Bible. And in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, he says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This, my friends, is the wisdom of God right here. Number three on your paper, it's imperative that the structure of wisdom in your life and our lives together is based on the foundation of the Word of God. Anything else is laced with foolishness foolishness, and ignorance. 
Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Proverbs 4, 6 through 7. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Get, I love this. This is about as simple as it gets. Hey, y'all, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And where's the source and fountain of wisdom? This is it, friends. This is it. And how do you get wisdom? Well, I've been saying it to you since I came here. Keep your nose in the book and your knees bent to heaven and your body in the house of the Lord. I don't know why that came out with that melody line. (laughs) Woo! We can't afford to operate in ignorance. We just cannot. We cannot put our heads in the sand. How many know it would be totally foolish for us to say, oh, I don't care that there's a coronavirus. We're just going to keep doing everything that we're doing. God's got this. Yes, God's got this, but we got to walk in wisdom. Amen? We cannot put our heads in the sand and pretend that there's not a pandemic that's killing people globally. That would be, that isn't just ignorance. That's just stupidity. We have to walk in wisdom, but there's a human wisdom and there's a heavenly wisdom. I'm going to take stock in the wisdom that is presented to me regarding coronavirus. I'm going to take stock in it, but I'm going to choose to bank on the wisdom that I get from the Word of God. Amen? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Can I get a witness from anybody? Amen. So we're going to have faith. We're not going to fear. We're going to walk in wisdom not ignorance. And number three is, uh, and the praise team can get ready. Uh, I'll call you up in just a minute or two, but just a little notification. We're going we're gonna to worship one more time before we go home. Uh, number three here is precaution, not presumption. It's, it's, it's a dangerous presumption on our part to expect that God will bless our efforts no matter what. We'd like to think that, but that's not how God operates. Number four If you're expecting God to keep you protected from disease and yet continue in the practices that cause the disease, you are walking in dangerous presumption. Going to get a witness from anybody. That's in any disease. If you're diabetic and you're still eating donuts and candy bars, don't expect God to heal you of your diabetes. If you've got a heart problem and you're still drinking down liters of Pepsi and Coke and Mountain Dew, rut row, don't expect the Lord to heal you of your heart disease because you're taking actions that contribute to your heart disease. I don't know why I picked on those two things, but I'll get back to the Word of God. I'm always safe. Right there. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 in the NIV says, Go to the ant. And I, I don't know whether Solomon was feeling really testy this particular day, but he, he didn't say, Go to the ant, saints of God. He, <laughs> he, said, he started calling names. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its toilet paper in harvest. No, it's food (laughs) at harvest. 
How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. Uh, and poverty will come to you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. God in his effortless wisdom tells us that even the measly little old ant shows better judgment than most human beings. It would be stupid and presumptuous on our part to take no precautions against coronavirus. It, it is inflammatory for anybody in the body of Christ to say that any church that's partake, taking precautions is not walking in faith. Precautions are important. We're taking them here. I've been using, I've been pumping the hand wash all I've probably done that six times already today since I've been here. We're cleaning off the doorknobs. We're, doing, we're taking precautions to do what is right. I listened to a few things that we're going to do within uh, the church. In my letter, it looks like we already went over those a few minutes ago. Must have been getting ahead of myself. So what you got there in that next slide? Is that the last one? We need to walk in faith. We need to walk in wisdom. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. I'll carry on. I put that slide in the wrong place. That was my fault. All right. Um, of course, I talked about this earlier as well. So in summary, yeah, I'm getting to an end. Yeah, praise team, get on up here. Let's do this. Praise God. I'm flowing and going and just having some fun. I know I preached... 40 minutes today, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all. I'm not sorry at all. I'm sorry that you feel bad about me preaching 40 minutes, but uh, I'm not really sorry about that either. Sorry. I'm sorry that I'm lying to you right now. Actually, I am very sorry about that. <laughs> um, to not take any precautions is not only foolish, it is presumptive, and it is dangerous. So in summary, we're going to walk by faith, not by fear. We're going to walk in wisdom, not in ignorance. And we're going to walk with caution, not presumption. And that's number five. We need to walk in faith, walk with wisdom, and take the proper precautions. The closing paragraph in my letter to the church read this. Finally, we will be salt and light to the world. We will not give in to fear or hysteria. The Lord is our helper. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. This is our time to express to our communities the peace that passes all understanding. The world does not need to see the body of Christ running in fear. The world does need to see us walking in wisdom and taking precautions. Right on? One of my good friends... He was uh, talking about, I think I'm getting ahead of myself again. Yeah, let me just stick with my notes for a minute. Oh, duh, there it is right there. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Let me just throw that iPad away. No, I'm not going to do that. All right, I'm ready to close. You all ready for me to close? All right. Oh, praise God. I have no plans to close the church. Um, I believe with my friend, Pastor Mike Smith, who said, this could be a test for the church. 
he went on to say, we sing all these songs about great faith and the miracle worker and no power in hell can stop us, but do we really believe what we sing? Mike went on to say, I don't want to tempt God and jump off a cliff yelling, catch me, but God gave us a promise in Psalm 91. Oh, you better watch out. I'm apt to shout and do a Pentecostal run here in just a minute. Tony's like, yeah, I ain't seen that in like a long time. Do it. Psalm 91. Are you ready? This right here will preach better than anything this human being had to say over the last 40 minutes. I should have just read this scripture and said, y'all have a great day. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, only with your eyes. I shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high in your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling Woo! hallelujah for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me therefore I will deliver him I will set him on high because he has known my name he shall call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation I wish somebody would stand up and give the Lord a mighty shout in the house of God <laughs> 